following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Great to be here with you. Yes, my name is Andrew. In case you're wondering who is this person, it's been it's been a little while. Um, I've got three beautiful kids. My wife has four. Um, so make of that what you will. If you if you have your Bible or your device, whatever you're using, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter nine. So, for those of you who are visiting today or visiting online, welcome. We are journeying through a series called Promises Jesus Made. And uh, it's, it's been awesome. We've been looking at the words of Jesus. And today's no different. And like some of the other ones, there are some perhaps misconceptions, some different ideas we might bring to this verse. Uh, I know I certainly did uh, in the past. And so let's see if we can unpack some of that this morning. Now, fun fact about me. I probably hardly anyone knows about this about me. I love maps. I love roads. I used to read maps as a kid for fun. When other kids were reading Harry Potter, I was reading the Gregories. And um, I've thrown a picture up there. Now, you guys might know what that is, you might not, but I guarantee all of you have been there. That's actually the road out to Newcastle. That's the Pacific Highway. The one on the right is the old highway, which, you know, they guys did a great job in the 20s, but it was past its use-by date. It was really narrow, it was winding, And so in the 60s, they built what we call today the M1, which is the one on the left. Now, why do I throw that up? I get the sense that many of us as Christians today, we kind of have this idea that there's two roads that we have the option to walk. We feel like that there's some people who are just hardcore, nut Christians who give it all for Jesus, and their road is the old Pacific Highway. Their road is the windy, twisty, turny, up and down, right? But for the rest of us, it's the M1. It's the smooth, high-capacity road. We can just cruise down our Christian lives. The martyrdom, the sacrifice, that's for some other people. I'll go about my business and just serve God. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll go, okay, I've got my nice home. I've got maybe my nice church that doesn't push me around too much. And I apologize if that's what you were expecting this morning. But um, I think a lot of us approach the Christian life that way. This verse is going to blow that right out of the water. This verse is going to blow that concept. There is one road when it comes to discipleship. Church, if you see another road, it's a false road. There's one road when it comes to following Jesus. And so this verse, I'm going to say this a couple of times. This is not a go and do message. This is not Nike, just do it. This is a passage that's going to hopefully make us think, am I walking this way? Am I exhibiting this kind of fruit? that Jesus is talking about in this gospel. And I know with discipleship, we're on a different uh, place in the road, not different path, I almost said that. We're different places in the road. That is perfectly fine. I'm not talking against that whatsoever. But what I am saying is that there is ultimately one path and hopefully we're all on it. So it's not always gonna be fun when we look at this. It's not always pretty, it's not always smooth, but I promise you this, it's always good. The road that God has called for you and for me, it's always good. He's always there. And as we're going to see, God promises to reward us when we stay the course. So my message this morning is to those prepared to let go. 
The promise is there if we're willing to let go, if we're not gonna just hang on for dear life. We'll explore what that means. So if you've got your word open, I really wanna start at verse 18. It sort of sets the scene. What's going on here is Jesus is in Philippi and it's the end of his ministry in Galilee. What happens from here on in? He starts on the road to Jerusalem and basically it's sort of six to 12 months before the cross, somewhere there. So he's really, this is a turning point in the ministry. From here on in, you start to see him talk a lot more about death, a lot more about sacrifice, the reason he came for us. And so the language is changing. Now, this is an invitation. Uh, I I used to work in radio advertising, and we were all about inviting people into business. And we'd always say, sell, sell, give us the good points, give us the good points, give us the, the marketing. Jesus is not a marketer. I want to tell you that right here and now. This is hard stuff. He doesn't, um, he doesn't sugarcoat these in any way, shape or form. If anyone has missed the point with Jesus, it's not Jesus' fault. They haven't necessarily read it all. And by the way, this is paralleled in Matthew uh, 16 and Mark chapter 8 as well. So with all that as background, let's read this passage. Verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private... And his disciples were with him. He asked them, who do the crowds say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must endure many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Verse 23, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Church, let us pray. Father, I pray you would settle our hearts this morning as we gather around your word. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place and you're with us even as we watch online. And so God, this morning I ask for an open heaven. This morning I ask that as we read this word, Lord, that we would be reminded again of just what you have done for us and how we ought to respond to that, Lord. Lord God, you are a wonderful God and you call us to live as you lived. And so God, I pray for open eyes and open hearts today. Would you speak in this time, Lord? We have gathered to hear your voice. And let us not leave unchanged, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been considered the crown jewel of the Gospels. In many ways, what we've just read encapsulates exactly what it is to be a Christian. And I want to say this at the start, church. I'm going to look at sort of two areas today. Uh, and forgive me, I don't normally go this way, but I will alliterate a bit. It just worked. So we're going to be looking at the requirement that Jesus sets out and we'll finish up with reward. The requirement's going to be kind of long, but we sort of need to set that up. So to be clear, 
This is not a commandment. Now, you might look at that and think, Andrew, you are on drugs. What are you talking about? He says you must. He says you must. What do you mean? This is what I mean. Jesus wasn't giving us a one, two, three, this is how to get saved. What he was saying actually was something quite profound because we're not saved by works, right? We're saved by grace. This is an indication of the life of a disciple. This is not about this is what I do to be a disciple. This is what, this is what my DNA should be. Now, I don't know about you, but when I sit there and I look at that, this is a mark of genuine faith. I think, oh boy, this is not something that I pick up once in a while. This is not just a, a glib command from, this is the King of Kings saying, my life needs to look like this. Someone who is willing to lay down their life for the gospel. Loyalty. See, it's not about me winning favor. My obedience is about me worshiping Jesus who died for me. Me giving loyalty to the one who is faithful to the go to a cross. Church, I don't know about you this morning, but that's unsettling. Because it's not just a matter of me saying, yeah, I'm going to try and do this. This is something I need to do daily. This is something I need to be. It's not even about doing, it's about being. So what is the requirement? What are we talking about? Well, in verse 24, we read, he says that whoever wants to save their life will lose it. We're going to talk more about this, but he says, you know, saving your life. This would have been very relevant for the early Christians. In the Roman Empire, they were quite tolerant of other faiths. You could worship whatever God you wanted, but there was just one little requirement, and that was Caesar came first. And so every so often you would make an offering to Caesar. Every so often you would, it was your way of worshiping him in a way and saying, Caesar is God above all. Now, for other faiths, that's kind of no big deal. But for us as a Christian, that should set off an alarm bell. That's a problem. And it was a problem for a lot of early Christians. Some possibly did that, I don't know. But many didn't. And many faced persecution. Many faced death. And so when Jesus says you could save your life, yeah, you could save your life, but you've got to make a choice. Is it going to be Caesar or is it going to be Christ? Who's it going to be? And see, church, we might not have that hanging over our heads yet. Could still come. We may not have that in this day and age in Australia or on a Sunday morning, but I tell you, we still have a choice, Caesar or Christ, every day of our lives. The Caesar of self. The Caesar of self needs to be removed from the throne in our hearts. And we'll talk about what that, what that looks like, what that means. But the choice is clear. Is it Caesar or is it Jesus? What's it going to be? And then Jesus goes on a course. If whoever is willing to lose their life, will find it. Hidden in amongst that, there's, there's two extremes that I think we just need to address as well. Jesus is, there's always been this historic sense of blessing equals success. Favor equals wealth. This is what God wants to do. And this is the sign of God's blessing. It's not always the case. And how many of us know that wealth can be a terrible trap? Success can be something you're just addicted to. But secondly, the other extreme is some religions teach that suffering is to be prized. Suffering is to be a virtue. Now, because Jesus said, lose their life for my sake, that idea is problematic because religions teach that that's how you get to God. 
That's not the case. I think Jesus is trying to tell us, don't idolise success and don't idolise suffering. There's kind of a middle ground. There's a path I want you to walk and it's neither of those extremes. We must not fall prey to those, those either end, the idolatry at either side. And, and he's not, I don't believe he is actually saying it's bad to plan for your future either, by the way. This is not a, a go and be reckless and give everything away or don't look after your health or, or what have you. The problem is, it's a shot at man's uh, want to be in control. I don't know about you, but every man, woman and child, everyone's born wanting to be in charge. You seen those t-shirts? I may be small, but I'm in charge. Maybe some of us wore them, I don't know. And you see, we gravitate to control. I, I talked about losing your life and that that's the rejection and the oppression and the, the persecution. Well, we want the opposite of that. We want the comfort. We want the acceptance. We want the status. We want the security. We want insulation. It's a human tendency. And this is why Jesus rails against that in this passage. You see, whether it's fighting for our rights, whether it is uh, fleeing from danger, or whether it's being caught in the web of materialism, it makes no difference. Jesus says it's futile when we're looking at eternity. It doesn't mean it's wrong to plan for the future. It doesn't, not at all. But when we crave that, it's never enough. There's never enough power in the world. Only got to turn the news on. There's never enough control. It's crept into the church. There's never enough of this. And it's into this human condition that Jesus reminds us that before all things is Him. Speaking to this need of ours, I guess, to control things and take the power back, Jesus says, no, you put me first. Anyone who wants to come after me, I come first. Because again, the point is, it's suffering for His sake, losing life for Him, putting our needs to one side for Him. When we do put Him there, when we will do that, church, I promise you the promise is glorious. The promise is wonderful. But first, there's a requirement on our part. So what are we talking about? What do we mean? What is this... Um, Requirement. What is this mark of genuine faith? Verse 23 gives us a, a, three ingredients, components, pick whatever word you want. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Three things real quick. Firstly, a denial of self. And again, more alliteration, I apologize. Doesn't this fly in the face of what the culture is telling us? What, is, what, what does culture say? What does the radio say? What does TV say? Do what's best for you. Serve yourself. If you're budgeting or something and you walk past the dress shop, it's, no, it's never a good idea, never a good idea. Because what's the impulse? Buy it, buy it. You're trying to be healthy, don't walk past the patisserie. You're trying, whatever it might be. We're, because you see... <laughs> Jesus is saying something radically different. Deny yourself. Don't give in to that temptation. Don't give in to what yourself is screaming at you. Go do it. Go get it. If it feels good, do it. No, he's saying deny yourself. You know, church, when you say yes to something, in most cases, you're saying no to something else. As I said, yes to health is no to a bad diet. Yes to budget is no to careless spending. Yes to marriage is no to all other parties. I could make a whole list of those things. Because self is an ever-present pest. 
It's like the cat that won't leave you alone at the door. Jesus wouldn't need to say a thing if his will, if our will could be overridden easily. He knows we need to decide daily to deny ourselves. And you know, self-denial, put another way, it's love. When you stop and think about it, it's love for others. You're preferring someone else's needs to yourself. Cheryl and I do stuff for the kids and sometimes like, why are we even doing this? It's because of them. It's because we love them. We want them to have a good experience or it's good for, or whatever it might be. And no doubt you've had those experiences as well. We put our needs to one side. That's self-denial. Every relationship, whether it's familial, whether it's in the marriage, whether it's friends, whether it's parent to child, child to parent, self-denial goes out the window. One party, one party doesn't deny self, that relationship is going to suffer. That's just the way it is. Love, if we love others, we will deny self. Secondly, not just a denial of self, but death to self. So not only is it that we're, do, we're, we're putting aside the things we want to do, but we're doing things now we don't want to do. We're taking up a cross. It's flip sides of the same coin, I think, but you can't have one without the other. Jesus said on multiple occasions, didn't he? We'll be hated on his account. We'll be hated because of him. He is disliked, therefore we will be as well. He's just said that to the disciples earlier in chapter 9. Not everyone's going to hear what you've got to say. Not everyone's going to listen to you. And that's okay, because they're rejecting me. It shouldn't come to a shock to us that we would face opposition. And you know something else too? We don't, we don't see people carrying crosses these days, but it was pretty common back in Jesus' time. If you're carrying a cross, you're not coming back. The one who's carrying a cross is on his way to one thing and one thing only, and that was the place of execution. I mean, Jesus did it himself further down the road. It's a one-way journey. And what is the cross he's talking about? Well, it's all those things. It's the shame. It's rejection. It's persecution. And for some, it might be death. That's hard to hear in this day and age. It's hard to hear for us as the modern church. It's a message we don't want to talk about. But Jesus, if we're going to honour him, we must be prepared even to the point of death to say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I know where you're going, but I'm going to trust you. Death to self. And thirdly, not only we deny self, not only we cause death to self daily, but we dethrone self. And you wonder, how is that possible? How do we do that? I think this is the key for the first two. Following Jesus. This speaks of relationship with him. Because if you just seek to obey without relationship, that's malicious compliance, to use a modern term. It's, it's not possible in human power. But when we are with him, in relationship with him, following, I mean, just clinging closely to Jesus... When we follow him, when his heart becomes more built in our heart. You know, Psalm 37, I love this verse. You know, we, and we know this. Uh, God will give you the desires of your heart. What's the first part though? Delight yourself in the Lord. And so as I delight myself in the Lord, it's less about me and it's more about what he wants. Cheryl and I go for prayer walks from time to time on the weekends. And I find as, as time has gone by, we're praying less and less for ourselves. 
It's still there. I'm not going to suggest it's not. But we're praying more for God's will to be done in our community. We're praying for God to grow this church and whatever. You know, we're, we're more focused on Him because we're delighting in Him. And you would see that in your own lives. As you delight in Him, the selfishness starts to fade away. You become more centered on Him. Notice in, in Matthew 7, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about the false teachers, the false disciples. And they, notice when the, the heat is put to them, they don't say, but Jesus, you died for me. No, they don't say that. They say, didn't we heal people? Didn't we cast out in your name? Didn't we do this, do that, do whatever? And what does Jesus say? I never knew you. Knowing him matters more than perfect obedience. Jesus wants us to be obeying him, but obedience springs from relationship. We can't deny self. We can't cause ourselves to die every single day if we're not in relationship with him. If we haven't dethroned Caesar from our hearts, it won't happen. But when we delight in him, our desires become more godly. The burden suddenly becomes lighter. I mean, he says it, doesn't he? Take my yoke on you. It is easy. It's light. He will bear it with us. He bears our burdens. And church, when we live that way, when we are willing to not hold to this earth too tightly, when we're willing to let go, that we know that God is the author and the finisher of our days. See, it doesn't depend on us as much as we'd like to think it does. Depends on Him. When we're willing to do that, the promise is that we will save our lives. The reward will come for us. But you might turn around and think, okay, Andrew, time out. You don't know what my will's like. You don't know what my attitude's like. You don't know how stubborn it is. Oh, yeah, I do. Don't you worry. I've got one of those as well. It can be like an animal that just refuses to do whatever you want it to do. That stubborn donkey just kicking out. That's what our wills are like. Jesus wouldn't have to say this if our wills could easily be brought into line. He knows for us it's a daily, 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 daily thing. Because when we look at our own obedience, we might turn around and say, oh man, that promise is hanging by a spider's thread. That promise, if that's dependent, we think our obedience somehow is going to be the, the reason that we get there. Again, don't lose touch, church. The obedience is worship. The obedience is not how we win God's favor because God has done it for us. Our imperfect surrender might cause us to lose touch with the promise of abundant life. Church, the best news this morning, it didn't matter about that. What mattered is that the foundation of our life is Jesus himself. You see, as we heard beautifully in the communion with Nathan and Oliver, um, that was awesome. Jesus did deny himself. Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, but thine. God, I don't want this, but Lord, if this is your will, I will yield. If this is what you want, I will go to the cross. Jesus did take up a cross, not his cross in, in essence. He took up our cross. He bore the burden we couldn't. He was stained with our guilt. He did surrender to the Father's will. He bore the shame because you and I couldn't save ourselves. And so church, and by the way, he left an empty tomb just to encourage us. There's no one there. Death is broken. Death is defeated. He did conquer it. There's an old song called um, King of My Life and it's got this beautiful verse in there. It says this, 
May I be willing, Lord, to bear daily my cross for thee. That's what we've been talking about. But, but hear this. Even thy cup of grief to share, thou hast borne all for me. He doesn't leave us alone to bear the burden. In, in telling us that we need to carry our cross, he still bears it with us. And he showed the way at Calvary. Church, is that in your heart this morning? We serve a God who has done it all. We serve a God who has won it all for us. Our new life rests on the finished work of Jesus. Don't let your faltering obedience take your eyes off the prize. Yes, we struggle daily, but Christ has won it. Christ has won it. The obedience is the proof of our lives. And so verse 25 and 26, they sort of open this up a bit more about what this new life is. And they talk negatively, but you know, the opposite is true if we do the right thing, right? So hear this. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Well, guess what? If we forfeit the world, we won't lose ourselves. If we forfeit the world, we will maintain our lives, not because of our ability, but because of God's ability. Church, if loving the world is forfeiting our soul, forfeiting the world, we're going to do the right thing by our soul because of Jesus. And by the way, that is not just eternity. Or should I say, that's not just heaven. Eternity starts today. Eternity starts now. Eternity is the life we're living now. We've started on this journey with Him already. Yes, heaven's going to be mind-blowing, but it doesn't have to begin there. Jesus wants to walk with us now. Jesus came that we might have life abundantly here as well as there. Now, abundance might not be what we think is abundance, but abundance of relationship with Him, there's no prize bigger than that. Church, you're not going to find that kind of joy in the pursuit of endless stuff. You're not going to find that in the pursuit of success or status. These things are fickle. These things are a vapor. Ecclesiastes, shout out, did that last year. You'll find it in Christ. You will not find it in the passing stuff in this world, but I guarantee you'll find it in Jesus. We will not forfeit our lives. But secondly, when he does come, he will not be ashamed of us. Verse 26, he says, if we're, ashamed, if we're ashamed of his words, he'll be ashamed of us. Well, guess what? If we stand brave, if we stand and gear our cross, deny ourselves, he will not be ashamed of us. We can live freely before God in light of his return. When we live as faithful ambassadors, he will not be ashamed of us. He will be glad to be our advocate on that day. He will put his nail-scarred hands before the Father and say, this one's mine. I died for him. I died for her. Enter into your rest. Not because we were obedient, just because we were faithful. We failed in our obedience time and time again. I know I do. But when we are faithful ambassadors for him as a style of life, he will be our advocate. And on that day, he promises us a crown of life. Paul writes about that in Corinthians and Jesus himself says that to the church at Smyrna in Revelation 2. Be faithful to the point of death and what will he do? He will give a crown of life, life everlasting. I don't want any crown this world can give me. I don't want anything like that. I want what Jesus offers. I don't know about you this morning, but that's what moves me. I want him. As I said before, 
Jesus now changes and he's starting to talk a lot more about death and sacrifice. And on one occasion in John 12, Jesus reminds his followers that unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. So he's talking about himself. He's going to be the seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. That's you. That's me. Now, I don't know about you. You've ever noticed an orange seed or an apple seed? It does nothing. But once you bury it, once it dies, so to speak, in the ground, then it produces the tree. Then it produces the fruit. Church, it's a challenge. It's a daily challenge, but it's worth it. Do we want the most of the brief life we have now? Or do we want the most for eternity? I saw a great, great tweet the other day. This guy said, um, don't prepare for the first five years after retirement. Prepare for the first 50,000 years after retirement. Isn't that cool? Are you, are you thinking about the 50,000 or are you thinking about the five? Which one are you this morning? Where are we? Church, it's when we yield. It's when we give it over to God, we see the spiritual life start to grow. Church, as we draw this to a close, if you haven't been getting the message, this is not, this is not just a go and do. Back to sort of where we started with the two roads. Are we wanting to keep going down the, the wide path, the easy path? Um, are we going to keep doing what we think is right and comfortable and safe because that's what everyone else is doing? Or are we going to be willing to embrace what God has for us? As I said, church, this is a moment for us to examine. Am I living this way? Or am I even willing to live this way? Am I willing to put him first? Am I willing to put, like Abraham, am I willing to put my Isaacs on the altar? Whatever they may be, your family, your job, your career, your status, can I put that to one side to serve him? Because church, in the light of God's mercy, in the light of the Father's mercy and Jesus' blood, and the Spirit raising Him from the dead. The triune God was involved in your redemption. In light of that, will we honour Him? That's the question we need to ask ourselves this morning. Will we honour Him? My prayer is that this morning, we'll be able to say, yes, Lord, whatever you've given me, like Job, the Lord gives, the Lord takes. No matter what you have given me, I will willingly lay everything down for your sake. I look at my own life and sometimes I don't reflect that. Probably more often than not, I don't reflect that. And so I'm going to pray quickly and then we'll hand back to Dash and the team. But where are you this morning? Have you lived your life for the wide freeway, the simple, easy life? Are you prepared to take the old hard road? Are you prepared to take it with twists and turns? And say, God, I don't know where you're going, but I'm going to trust you. I don't like carrying this cross, but I'll do it because I love you. I'll carry this burden because you're worthy of my worship. That's a challenge to all of us. It provokes every single one of us. There is further we can go. There is more that we can be doing. Father God, we just... Thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for your mercy towards us. 
Lord, we thank you for all, all your goodness. Father, this morning as we have meditated on your word, Lord, I ask you to bring this to life in us, Lord Jesus. Teach us, make this a teachable moment, Lord. Our eyes are open, our hearts are open. We have come to hear you, Jesus. Lord, where there is need for change, would you just make that alive to us? Make that aware in our spirit, Lord God. We wanna be a people, we're not content, Lord, just to, to walk the path anymore, Lord. We march to a different beat. And Father, I pray that we would be a people that is willing to lay it all on the altar for you. Lord, I know some of us have laid some things and not everything, and that's probably many of us. Lord, I pray you would teach us. Teach us in your love, Lord God. We don't wanna be chastised, God. Teach us in your love, Lord. Help us to surrender. Because Lord, as you promise in your word, you eventually give back so much more than we could ever ask for. Just teach us to have that kind of faith, Lord God. Lord, give us your spirit again, Lord. Give us your spirit to just prompt us. Lord, when the, when the time comes to denying ourselves and we're feeling weak, Lord, would your spirit come? Even this week, Lord, as situations arise, Lord, help us, Lord God, to put you first. Help us, Lord, to walk this path better. Help us, Lord, to be a witness to those around us. Whether we are succeeding or whether we are suffering, Lord, let the attitude be consistent. That, Lord, we are willing to live and die for you because you gave it all for us, Lord. And we have an eternity to look forward to. And Father, I just pray as we go this morning, Lord, that as we go into this week, that, Lord, we might have a bit more of a foretaste of the abundant life you have for us. Pressing into you, getting closer to you, Lord. Thank you for this promise, Lord, of eternal life. Thank you it doesn't depend on us, Lord. But Lord, help us to walk in response, in worship to you, because you're worth it. You're worthy of every song we could ever sing. You're worthy of every moment of our lives, Lord God. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.